Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I want to go back to Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. Let me me thank you for praying for Phoenix. You guys are always so faithful to do that and joining us on our journey. We had this last week uh, some complications for Phoenix. She had to... uh, wasn't planned on Phyllis and Nicole and Phoenix are in Cincinnati and there there were some things that happened and had they they did an unplanned another cornea transplant but the good news is she is recovering well the doctors check up the day after says everything looked as good as it could look so we're thankful please keep praying with us our goal God's goal God's plan is 2020 vision and, uh, and, and we're, we're moving there. Thank you for praying. Continue to pray. So let's look at this master plan. The master plan. I, it's kind of a dual meaning. Meaning, you know, of course, it's, it's, it's drawings. It's authentic. It's the plan. It's the template. But it's also the master's plan. How many know what I'm talking about? The master plan is the master's plan. I keep saying and believing, and I believe this is what God's doing. Church, wouldn't it be amazing if God so chose to use Calvary Assembly as one of the places... That spiritual awakening began to move across this land. How many can say amen to that? What if God's doing something bigger than you and I even know about right now? Well, you know, it's sometimes, let me ask you this. Uh, we pray prayers. I'm, I'm going to get to what I'm doing, but I, I want to make sure we're here. Are we ready for God to answer the prayers we're praying? Let me stop at that. How's that? How's that? Are we ready for God to answer the prayers we've been praying? How many have been praying for breakthrough? Yeah breakthrough so when God's bringing the breakthrough are we ready to embrace the breakthrough you know are we ready for God to answer the prayers we've been praying are we willing to do whatever God says to do for him to make this happen that's where we are so I ask myself God what are you doing what what could this become and I'm saying Lord let's find out we we just give you this let's find out so as we continue I believe uh, this this master plan of God if you read the book of Acts uh, that's a sovereign move of God. And, and let's see how he positioned his people. So let's read these verses. And then I want to focus in today on, on the place of communion in that early master plan. I've dug some nuggets out that you are going to be blessed with and you and I need to take a fresh look at today. We're going to come back and respond. And I believe God's going to confirm his word today. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit is going to be released. If you were in these meetings this last week, you know what happened. It's when we came in that altar time that things explode. It's when we heard the word and responded and worshiped, it explodes. And, and so we're, 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 going to, we're going to move in that vein. So let's look at Acts 2, 42 through 47. How did the church begin? What was the original, authentic, unadulterated, organic move of God as this church began? Let's look at this. Verse 42 of Acts 2. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. There was devotion to some core values. There was something God did in their lives without them having a a plan before then, without having anybody instruct them. This was the natural reaction to a sovereign move of God. They devoted themselves, teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayer. Verse 43, what was the result of that? Everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. There was a sense of awe last weekend around this place. A sense of awe. I saw people weeping and praying and just in the presence of God. 
Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone or everyone as he had need. It was, generosity was natural and, 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 and just uh, free will. Verse 46, every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. What an amazing life. What an amazing flow of the Spirit of God. Now, I noticed something. Going back and looking at this passage, I've been studying it in depth and looking at some different translations. This verse 42, let me read it once more in the NIV. Then I want to show you two other translations. The Amplified Translation and the Passion Translation. Now, verse 42 says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Right? Let, let, let's look at this from the, the Amplified. That's fine. So look at this. Watch this. What does devotion mean? How many want to know what the word devotion means? Say yes. I'm glad you asked. Okay, look. What does it mean to be devoted? Steadfastly persevered. You understand? That's devotion. It's something I do and continue to do. How many hear what I'm saying? Am I devoted? I can tell you what I'm devoted to. What I am steadfastly persevering. That's devotion. You remember I told you the, the account of a couple of my uh, ministry friends that, that could talk to each other only like friends could. One of the guys, a beautiful pianist, gifted like Pastor Joey, Eddie James, those kind of guys. And his, his pastor friend said to him, man, I wish I could play the piano like you do. I wish I could play the keyboard like that. And you know what his buddy told him? He said, no, you don't. He said, what do you mean? He said, no, you don't. What do you mean? Yes, sir. He said, if you wanted to play the keyboard like I do, you'd practice like I do. <laughs> See what I'm saying? Devotion is not a concept. It's steadfastly persevering in. All right, so let's go. So they steadfastly persevered, devoted themselves constantly to what? Look at this. The instruction and the fellowship of the apostles. Look at this. To the breaking of bread including the Lord's Supper and prayers. All right, you get that? Let's go to the Passion Translation and watch this. Same verse. Every believer was faithfully devoted to the following teaching of the apostles, uh, to following the teaching of the apostles. Their hearts were mutually linked to one another, fellowship, sharing communion and coming together regularly for prayer. As I began to look into this, and th this is where we read in the, in the King James and the New International Translation, where it says breaking of bread, literally, one of the central parts of that was they took communion together often. Communion was part of their fellowship. It played a central role. Maybe, let's think about this for a minute. On closer inspection, uh, we might realize that communion, the Lord's Supper, may have been a, a foundation block in this master plan more than we realize. Now, here's what we have to deal with in the church world, all right? Can, can I be straight up with this? Can I? Let's, okay, listen. Here's what we have to deal with. Unfortunately, what we find, because we are humans in the churches, okay, is that we tend to always take something and what I call the pendulum effect happen. We are extremists. On one hand... There, there are, and, and everyone well-meaning, let's make sure you understand I mean that, where, where communion is a, in, in the life of a church trying to follow the master plan, 
communion is, is, is observed so often, and there's no problem with the communion or how often. The Bible doesn't tell you how often. It just says as often as you do it. I know people that take communion personally every day. But the challenge we have in church world, maybe doing communion all the time, is that it becomes a ritual. And we lose the value of it. And so it's just something we do without understanding its role. Are you with me? On the other hand, so one end does communion so much, and I don't know when that is, it's all about heart, that it's just become a ritual. It's lost its power and, and, and realization to us. On the other hand, there are people that never even observe or do communion at all and have no idea what we're supposed to do. Now, there are only two ordinances in the New Testament that are clearly taught for the church to observe. Only two. There are only two ordinances taught in Scripture in the New Testament that the church should regularly observe. That's communion and water baptism. Those are the only two New Testament ordinances we're commanded to follow. All right? Those two. And so we need to understand this. So what happened? So let's take another look in light of this move of God, in light of this master plan, making sure we understand how valid and important and dynamic communion really is. Let's see how it fits into this master plan, how it was part of the life flow, how, how God used it so powerfully and, and, and why it was so central. So understanding that, looking at these verses, that part of what they were devoted to was doing communion together, we need to understand why. So let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Would you turn there with me? Where Paul's giving instructions to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's go to this passage that, that is kind of the centerpiece for what we teach and understand. We're going to begin with verse 23. Now you have to understand this Corinthian church. Here's, here's the concept we fail to understand. Do you realize that every one of these churches, so there was a church that, is, that had formed in the city of Corinth. In the city of Corinth, the church had begun. Now what you need to understand is the first church that had ever existed in that city. Does everybody get that? These letters in the New Testament are letters the apostles wrote under the direction of the Holy Spirit to guide these churches. Now think about, these guys had no point of reference. They had been Jews or heathens. They had never been to church because there had never been a church. <laughs> they didn't have anybody to teach them because nobody had ever been there. So they're getting this, they've been born again, they're getting this information from God, they're trying to respond to God, and, and the Corinthian church... Uh, they, they, they just had to have some help, <laughs> okay? You know, they didn't even get this communion right. He said, you got, earlier in the chapter, he said, you, you need to understand, you're, you're making a mockery of the Lord's Supper. He said, you guys are coming in, and evidently they did the Lord's Supper while they did break bread and eat together. Because he said, some of you guys, you're not waiting on each other and honoring each other. Instead of this being a holy understanding and recognizing this movement, some of you guys, I, I guess it's like the, the early uh, dinner on the ground church thing. You know, I don't know if they had fried chicken. I don't know if it was ribs. I, I mean, I'm, I'm down for both. I, I don't know what they had. But he said, some of you guys are coming in here and you're just starting to eat before you even wait on each other. You're just coming in. It's supposed to be the Lord's Supper. Instead of being the Lord's Supper, it's your supper. You're just eating and pigging out. Pardon me. It's the first church buffet. He said, you guys are just eating and, and, and somebody else comes in. Look at this. Here's one guy sitting in this meeting, a believer. 
And this guy over here just picking out part of my language. And this guy doesn't have a bite to eat. And they don't even care. He said, and then some of you are trying to take communion. You're getting drunk. He said, you guys need some help. You, you don't understand. You, he said, you're not understanding the Lord's table. You're not recognizing what you're doing. So he speaks to them. And, and we, I gave you that because you need to get the context of what he says. Because I believe we've taken these scriptures. Oh, we do this in the church. And we miss the life and the power. But we get the rules and the regulations. Instead of teaching on the life of communion, we take it out and beat people on the head who might not be taking it right. And we've spent more time criticizing and judging and scaring the devil out of people about communion than introducing the life of Jesus. Anybody with me? Anybody want to learn any more on this thing? But we love to take scripture and whip people with it. You know what I think? Because I think there's too many people preaching this word who haven't had enough encounter with God to know that you do what you do because you love him with all your heart and soul and strength and you don't have to make me stay in line because I'm afraid or I'm fearful or you're paying me or it's my job but I do what I do because I'm called and I love God and I love people and so what we've done in the church we try to make people act right by making them afraid and giving them guilt and giving them shame Instead of telling you the God of the universe is for you, with you, on your side, it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance, not you preaching you're going to roast in hell every Sunday. Now, there's a real heaven and there's a real hell. I'm not cussing right now, okay? This is a... Okay. But if preaching could scare the hell out of people, we'd have everybody saved by now. Because we've had enough of that. I didn't pray. I didn't cuss. I didn't cuss. I'm telling you, we've had enough hellfire and brimstone. If that would scare, and I can't say it again, it would scare the uh, out of you. We'd all be saints right now. I embarrassed my wife. I didn't cuss. I told you before, I'm not cussing. There's about 5% of the church that woke up for the first time just then. (laughs) Some of you, just pray for me. That's all I can say. So let's look at this. Understand this moment. So watch this. Let's go to verse 23. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body. Which is for you, do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you'll proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So this is what we understand. What is communion? Why why was this a central part of that church in the very beginning? Okay? Well, what is it? There's really really three parts, and I think we miss one of them. Part of communion is looking back with gratitude at the cross, right? Do this in remembrance. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We, We look back and we're thankful and we're grateful for what you did on the cross for us. 
And, and then he says that, that we, we do this uh, and proclaim the Lord's death. That's thank you. But also until he comes. And so we look forward. He's coming again. Do you know in all of our busyness and connections and do our thing and technology and all we are today. Do you know a day is coming. When everything on this earth will grind to a halt and radically change. And Jesus will come back for his church. And nothing will ever be the same again. He's going to do that. By the way, I'm ready to go. What about you? Anybody ready? I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. That's good. I, I got a lot of things I want to do on earth. But the day the rapture comes, whoop, let's go. Huh? He's coming again. So we take communion and we look back and we say, God, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what you've done, Jesus. We look forward and say, he's coming again. He's so sovereign and in control. But that's not all communion is about. We not only are looking back and remembering and thanking God and celebrating. He says, this is interesting. He said, for verse 25, for whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim. Do you know that word proclaim could be translated from the Greek text actually to shout it out? It's a proclamation. It's a declaration. You, we could shout. We're saying we are remembering the Lord's death. You know what that means? My sins were paid for on the cross. Hallelujah. We're remembering that Jesus paid the death. We're, 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 we're proclaiming and shouting. He's coming back again. The act of communion is a powerful declaration. That, 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 that salvation has been purchased and that my salvation will be complete. But what about right now? What about right now? What does communion have to say about now? This is what I want you to see, this life part that we, we forgot. You see, God's plan has always been in his kingdom uh, to release life. He's always wanting to release life through every act of obedience. Do you know that, that physical obedience always precedes spiritual release physical obedience did you get that always precedes spiritual release there's a now moment connected with communion there's a remembering what he's done it builds our faith and gratitude there's a looking forward to what he's going to do but there is a physical act of obedience taking the bread and the cup that releases the present tense power of God into a situation we need to understand that. We need to recognize that, look forward to it. See, so we're, we're, we're proclaiming, we're, we're celebrating. It's a celebration. And, and, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I've seen it kind of because we don't get the now part of communion. I, I, I've, I've been in different veins of Christianity where communion, uh, because we're remembering what he did on the cross, and it's overwhelming and awe-inspiring. And if you've ever seen the movie, The Passion of the Christ, if you haven't, you should see that just to force you to think through what he did for us. Uh, the Passion of the Christ, an amazing movie. I remember, you know, I, I, for me, about 80% of any movie is the popcorn for me. I mean, I'd go just to go, but I really go to get the popcorn. Because I don't have all that butter machine, all that stuff in my house. I mean, that, this, you know, it's, it's worth the price of admission for me to get that bucket of popcorn. So I never forget, I, you know, I just did what I do. Went to the Passion of Christ and on the way in, got my bucket, popcorn, my coat. And, and that movie started and I was like, for 20 minutes I didn't move. I don't know if I breathed for the first 20 minutes. And I kicked the popcorn bucket under the seat from me. I'm not eating that popcorn watching that. What he paid, amazing. 
But communion is not a funeral dirge. It's not just a sad event and everybody's just down. Everybody, it's, you know, it's sad. It's just, listen, it's life. It's celebration. Remembering what he did. And, and when I remember what he did, it should make me overflow with gratitude to God. And I'm looking forward to what he's going to do. But I also have an expectation, do you hear me? That right now in this moment, while I'm holding this bread and this cup, God's releasing the power of the Holy Spirit to confirm all those things in my life. It's a celebration. But, but, but so I wanna, let me keep layering this for you. See, uh, let, let's look at this for a minute. Let, let's go back to verse 23. And I got to move because we're, we're going to receive, we're going we're to release this in this place today. But I want you to do it understanding the moment. Verse 23 says, I received from the Lord, but I also passed on to you the Lord Jesus. On the night he was betrayed, took the bread. Do you know that you can be thankful in the midst of betrayal when you know who your God is? Not thankful for betrayal. That's where the church misses that again. Well, somebody did something bad to you. Well, just praise the Lord. I don't think so. I'm not going to praise the Lord if somebody acted like a jerk in my life because it wasn't God's fault they acted like a jerk. I'm going to thank God in the middle of their jerkiness. He's still great. <laughs> and you know, you'll be less mad at the people who act like a jerk if you have your eyes more on the God who's faithful. Betrayal. One of the toughest things in life on the night he was betrayed he gave thanks on the night he was betrayed he modeled that for us he the bible said he's tempted in all points like we were can i tell you something today if you're struggling with pain discouragement betrayal uh, uh anything of that nature you can get your eyes on god while you're taking communion and begin to say thank you god you're bigger than the betrayal of man you're greater than the unfaithfulness of man you're bigger than this moment in my life it, it is so critical do you know i believe a thankful, grateful heart is one of the greatest things that God will ever create in your life. Do you know that more Christians lose their victory, lose their anointing, lose their effectiveness and purpose for God because we become uh, depressed, discouraged, ungrateful, cynical because of what life does? Is everybody listening to me? I think the greatest deliverance you may have is to get a spirit of thankfulness in your life. An attitude, I am thankful for the goodness of God. Do you know that when you're walking to the valley of the shadow of death, you better remember what God has done. See, communion says, I remember what God has done. I remember what he's going to. And I'm going to be thankful while I'm moving from where I started to where I'm ending. You can betray me. You can lie on me. You can do what you want to do. See, we spend too much energy worrying what the people around us have done. We waste so much time looking at each other. You know, if you're oversensitive, why in the world do you always say, how did they respond on my Facebook? They didn't like it. Why do you set yourself up for that mess? You know, they didn't like it. I don't know why. I put out a text and nobody responded. So what? The only reason you're putting it on there is just to get feedback. You're not, I mean, it's all about codependency. That's the only reason you put it out there. It wasn't to bless somebody, help somebody, talk. You just want to know who, who stroked me today? Who stroked me today? Who liked me today? Who made me feel good about myself today? Woo! Hey, just, 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 you might need to drop that stuff. 
until you're more concerned. We burn and waste the moment of God's plan because of what people do. Be thankful in the midst of your betrayal. Do you know why you ought to be thankful in betrayal? That God got that person out of your life before they hurt you anymore. Just say goodbye. Adios. We're praying, God, help me. And God's trying to get that person out of your life. And while he's trying to deliver you, you're holding on with all you got. Oh, God, help me. God, help me. God, set me free. God, let me go. Would you just turn loose of them? I'm trying. You know what I found out in life? Thankful people attract breakthrough. Thankful People attract breakthrough. They attract breakthrough. See, let let, let me say this. Thankfulness is not polished to its brightest level until it's come through the rubbing of betrayal. I will say that again. Gratitude and thankfulness will never shine at its brightest level till it's walked through the rubbing of betrayal. That betrayal is just polishing you up. Come on. Your gratitude. Yes, gratitude. Okay. I could spend a lot of time on that. Let's go on. So so, so we look at that. So he said in verse 24, this is my main point. Let me get you through a couple things. He says, my body's broken. He said he broke this bread. This broken bread represents my body. You see that? Verse 25, this cup represents the blood that that I'm going to shed. He tells us three times in these verses, remember, remember, remember. We need something to remind us of the goodness of God, don't we? Remember, remember, remember. Do you know Satan wants to control and manipulate your memories? See, that's where we miss it. I'm so worried about these people around me that didn't do what I wanted. And my mind's so full of the memories of the bad things happened in my life. I don't, I'm not aware of the goodness of God. I'm not grateful. I'm not thankful. You have to make a choice sometimes. How many hear what I'm saying? Communion's when you say, I choose not to concentrate on those things. We're not in denial. We're not in denial. They happen. They happen. But you already did it to me. I'm not going to let you do it to me again every day by sitting here thinking about it all the time. I'm already on past that. You did that. Yes, you did it. Yes, you did it. But God's greater. He's healed me. He's delivered me. Look at verse 26. He says, Jesus is coming back. Verse 27. I'm moving fast. Come on. I got to get to a place. Verse 27. He says, now watch this. Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Okay? So what, what he's saying, remember the context. These guys are eating. This guy's starving. These guys getting drunk. He's a crazy man at church, you know, and this stuff. So what's he say? He says, you need to understand this moment. You need to recognize what this means. Uh, you, you need to honor the bread and the cup. Are you with me? We, we, we don't, we don't want to create sin in our life by dishonoring what this represents it's not just the act it's what the act represents some people think you can take communion and get saved according to what i'm reading here <laughs> communion is not going to save you in fact you may take communion when you're not ready it's going to hurt you see not any magic or rituals that make the kingdom work it's your heart it's relationship okay so let's keep going so uh Let's look at verse 28. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cups. You examine your heart. Why am I here? What do I know? What do I understand? What's my heart like? Look at the next verse. 
For anyone that eats and drinks without recognizing the body of the Lord eats and drinks judgment on himself. Now, now watch this. Watch this. We've taught this, you know, it's almost like, and, and I get this. Don't get me wrong. I don't believe communion is for an unbeliever. Communion is for the body of Christ. Clearly. But what we're finding here, and I want to show you, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, the judgment that we deserved fell on Christ on the cross. And what he's saying is, if you understand the cross and what I've done, then your communion is going to bless you. If you try to take communion without coming to Christ, watch this. I don't think it's so much God's get. you know, every time there's communion at church, he's got angels ready. Come on. Let's take row. Get on a row. We're going to smack that rascal. What happens? If I don't know why I'm taking communion, if I'm not a believer and I don't understand that judgment already fell on Christ, this communion is not going to save me from judgment. I'm going to face it anyway. Does it make sense? See what I'm saying? So, so, so let's keep reading. Uh, look at this. That's why many among you are weak and sick and a number of you have fallen asleep. So, so what we said, oh, you come to church, take that communion wrong. You're going to die right there on the spot. You're going to get sick and die. You know what I believe? What the message really is? Because, watch this, I want to help you. Because you didn't understand what this means. Because you didn't understand the life of this. You could have been healed. You could have been set free. You could have received the grace of God. Maybe because you just went through a ritual, you went on and went to heaven, but you could have been healed and still be living on this earth and doing something for God. You didn't understand this moment. So you blew it. You had this opportunity and ran right through it. Okay. Now, let me show you something very quickly, very quickly. Uh, wow. Let's go to Isaiah 53, verse 3. Come on, i got to wrap this up because we're going we're gonna to do this. You're going to be healed today. Come on, somebody say, I'm going to be healed. I want you to know someone in your family is about to be radically invaded by the power of God. There's some lost people in your family that are about to get a shot. The Holy Spirit's about to do something in their life right now. We're never going to look at this the same. Let, let, let me help you. Watch this. What, what happened? You, they, people are taking communion. He said, you're not discerning this. You don't understand this. You're not appropriating this. You're just going through the motions, right? And, and so, so watch this. This is Isaiah 53, the prophecy about Christ and what he would do. Greatest prophecy of the cross in the Old Testament. Look, so watch this. Speaking of Jesus, he was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering and familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised. Look at this. And we held him and low esteem. One translation says we didn't recognize him. What happened in communion? Took it and didn't recognize him. All this that God has done and you didn't even recognize it. Look at the next verse. Surely he took up our pain. He bore our suffering. Yet we considered him. See that? There we go again. We didn't consider. We didn't understand. We didn't add value. We didn't recognize what that meant, so we never appropriated it. We just mindlessly went through the motion. We just went through the steps. We, we, and, and, and looked around the room and say, well, I don't think he's even a Christian. Why is he taking communion? Look over there at her. You know what I heard about her? So all of a sudden, we take communion. Instead of recognizing the greatness of God, we become the Holy Ghost church police looking around. 
you know, we're, we're going to get TSA. We're going to have the Holy Ghost TSA. You're going to have to walk through our screener. No, you don't get it. You don't get it. Come on. So, look, look, man. What we need to recognize is that because we don't esteem him, we didn't recognize him, we, we, we didn't consider him worthy, that we don't understand the life of the moment of communion. We considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. Let's go to this verse 5. So what? But he was pierced, wounded, broken, torn for our transgressions. He was crushed and bruised for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was with him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So real quick, communion guys, get ready. Watch me, watch me, watch me. So this is what Jesus said. You take the bread that represents his body. And you notice it always said they broke bread. Listen, listen, don't get distracted. You're, you're, you're one step away from, from a release of the Spirit. Listen to me. So you take the bread and what do you do? You break it. Now we're going to give you a little old wafer. You're going to have to work on it, but I want you to break it before you take it today, all right? Now listen to me. What happens? What happens? Watch this. It represents everything. Just leave that up that he did for us. He, his body was broken. He was torn. He was beaten. And by his stripes were healed. So when you and I take that bread, watch this. In obedience to God, and we break that bread, we take that bread. You know what we're saying? That's the, we're, we're literally recognizing, listen to me, declaring the torn body of Jesus. We are literally appropriating everything he did on the cross. Let me help you. Let me help you. 1 Peter 2.24, you can put that up, guys. Says Peter's looking back. He says, by his stripes we were healed. So when you stand in communion holding the bread, you're not even praying for a healing. You're declaring what God already done. You've already provided my healing. Now listen, let me go one more step. Listen, listen. It was the blood of Jesus. Come on, listen to me. The blood of Jesus that prepared you to go to heaven. His blood shed on the cross is what forgave us, right? And you go to heaven. Listen, the blood of Jesus gets you to heaven. The blows of Jesus is for right now. See, we don't need by his stripes we're healed when we get to heaven because no one will be sick. Did you get that? We don't need by stripes, I'll be set free in heaven because it's all good and well. Listen to me. But right now, the blood of Jesus was my ticket to heaven. Come on. How many are thankful for the blood of Jesus? But the stripes, the stripes are for today. The blood forgives me and sets me up for heaven. But the stripes, the blows, the wounds are for now. And when you hold that bread in your hand today, I want you, you have the authority to stand and say, I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. I was healed by the stripes of Jesus. Today you have the authority to stand here and declare the name of anyone under your circle of influence and say, Phoenix was healed by the blood and the stripes of Jesus. My father, you can say, was healed by the stripes of Jesus. Now let me hurry. Then he says the cup. Here's the cup, the cup, the cup, the cup. It's my blood. The cross is your key 
to victory in every area of your life. Now watch this. So here you go. You take this cup. We're going to stand before God. Watch this. Remember the first Passover in Exodus was the picture of all that Christ would do? And they told him, you get a lamb. You get a lamb and you sacrifice it and put that blood over the lamb's house. Let me help you with something. How many lambs for each house? I want to ask you again. How many lambs for each house? One. Can I give you some hope today? Let me help you. I don't care how many are in your house. I don't care how far away they are from God. Do you know that what Jesus did on the cross, and you come stand in communion and hold that cup, you can say, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I don't need but one lamb. He only died one time. He's not going to do it again. And they may be way out there, real far, real away. I'm not saying they're saved because you're saved. But I'm saying they're going to be saved because you're saved. Because the devil's a liar. And communion says the power of God is released right now in this moment. We're going to do that today. We're going to have healing miracles and the households coming in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You see, it's not a ritual. It's a release of the kingdom right now. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.